All right, here we are talking Knicks again. In um, episode 554 of the podcast. Now, um, hopefully the video format holds up because I'm still trying to make adjustments with my new camera. But if it starts lagging or if the audio is ahead of the video, you're just going to have to live with it uh, until I figure this shit out. Unfortunately, I thought that buying this camera yeah, would uh, get me some 4K video, but I believe the laptop that I'm using doesn't support... I mean, it supports it, but it's very choppy. And it doesn't have the CPU that can sustain 4K video, unfortunately. I have a Surface Pro, which isn't even technically a laptop. So, um, I'm trying to adjust the settings back to normal, but hopefully this video can last long enough to where... Anyway, you don't care about this shit. Um, if it's it starts lagging, then it's just going to be audio only anyways, but uh, whatever, fuck it. It made no sense. Um, Knicks, the Knicks. We're talking more Knicks in this episode, episode 554. <laughs> Let's get to the intro and start this thing up. Let's do it. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, looking, see ya! Anthony for three, All right, welcome back to BD4, episode 554, episode 554. Now, if you're watching the YouTube edit, um... Again, I'm sorry for the lag, if there is one. If the audio is ahead of the video, I'm sorry. I'm still trying to figure shit out with my camera. I'm also sorry if I look up often, because for some reason I'm still watching Yankees baseball here on August 25th. Um, I'm still watching these meaningless exhibition games for some reason. Um, I'm recording this during the Yankee game Friday night. Um, I... Got back home from school a little bit ago, um, college, and I'm spending my time here on Friday watching the Yankees and talking Knicks. So that's what we'll be doing in this show. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Knicks offense. Um, you know, as, as we keep zooming through the calendar every year and whatnot, the NBA keeps changing and Today's offense in the NBA is very fast-paced. It's very focused on ball movement and player movement and guys getting out and running. And, you know, the Tom Thibodeau offense isn't always like that. Um, You know, we complain about the offense a lot. 
but it was a good offense last year. They produced. Um, however, in the playoffs, we saw what happens with a Tom Thibodeau offense. Um, and I know that a Tiger never changes his stripes, if that's the saying. Um, yes, that's correct. Tom Thibodeau is not going to change his stripes. Right? He has an offense that's, well, it's it's very ISO heavy. Um, a lot of DHO. A lot of basic pick and roll. It's a read and react offense. And I get that. Um, but I feel like he does have to change it to a degree. He yeah, and to his credit, he did show he did show some adjustments last year. We saw a little bit more small ball than usual. Uh, some other fourth quarter adjustments in there mixed in and he finally took the veterans out of the rotation sometime in like late December or something like that. Remember that helped the Knicks pick it up and, and in the playoffs too, he did make the adjustment by going to Quentin Grimes in the starting lineup over Josh Hart for that matter. It was just by then a little too late when everybody else was hoping for it earlier. Um, but I think it's going to have to come eventually where Tom Thibodeau starts embracing the new NBA a little more. Um, like small ball offense needs to be a thing. Go small if you need to, especially now with this Knicks team now lacking a backup four. It's going to be crucial more now than ever. Um, Obi Toppin is now in, in in Indiana. Excuse me. So you're relying on Julius to stay healthy, and I don't think I want this Isaiah Roby guy as the backup four. Um, and let's shoot the shit here. I don't think you do either. Um, I think we all prefer also that it stays in-house and the Knicks don't go out and chase some middle-of-the-road power forward on the market. Um, I think most of us are in agreement that you let RJ and Josh Hart share those power forward minutes. Um, Not just when Randall sits or if he, God forbid, gets hurt, but also it'd be nice to see one of those guys play the four and having Randall slide up to play the small ball five at times, right? And obviously this is going to depend on matchups, right? teams they play, the situation in the game, etc. Um, but it really benefits the Knicks to go down this route with the era we're in. Uh, the Knicks need more spacing. They need a little more pace. And I feel like playing those guys, RJ and Hart, who are more guards and wings, up at the five can help in those areas. The Knicks have the roster versatility to where they can play small ball. Um, I want to see Tom Thibodeau get guys coming off of cuts and screens more, less ISO. Include more of off-ball offense in there. Um, You know, Brunson and Randall... The ISO ball between them worked in the regular season tremendously. I get it. Um, And the pick and roll. Listen, when the defense switches and you get that mismatch, I get it. But in the playoffs, we saw, again, the offense just go dead for, for the Knicks. And that was their identity in the regular season. Not many guys could find it in the playoffs outside of a couple of guys. Um... So it'd be nice this season to get guys like Quentin Grimes coming off screens. Uh, get Josh Hart being the guy to screen off ball. He's great at that. 
Get RJ or Julius going in some off-ball cuts as well. Get these guys in motion more and then get into your ISO from there. Even Brunson too, like with with the acquisition of Dante DiVincenzo, not only will that help bring a little bit more spacing to those RJ lineups and the Hart lineups, which I hope Tibbs staggers those two a lot more, right? DiVincenzo's a good shooter. He's got a quick trigger that can beat a closeout in the corner. But he's also capable of playing as a secondary ball handler in the pick and roll. So as DJ LeMayu just misses. No, he hits a home run. Home run in the left field for DJ in the fifth inning here. one nothing Yankees. Um, he's hitting the second half. Um, anyways, a guy like DiVincenzo, not only is a good shooter, but he can also play that secondary ball handler uh, role. He's one of those guys who can help the Knicks run Brunson off the ball more. Um, so I think that could be a benefit. And the Knicks, listen, they've been top 10 in ISO each year with Tom Thibodeau. Last season, they were fourth in ISO, and they were also running ISO so much that it became the fourth most game, uh, the fourth most ISO possessions per game in the NBA in the last six seasons. So, that's a lot of ISO. Um, It can get very, very stagnant at times, and we saw that happen in the postseason. And it's it's tough because the Knicks' goal is is you want them to be a championship contender. You want them to be looked at as one of the NBA's top teams, not just a good, fun story. And you look at some of the NBA's top teams over recent seasons, Golden State, Denver, Miami, Boston, Sacramento is one of those young up-and-coming teams, uh, Phoenix. A lot of those teams thrive because they have a more streamlined offense. They run off of cuts. They come off of screens. And they move the ball quickly and often. A lot of them don't play a slow ISO-only game. They don't wait until four seconds in the shot clock to make their decision. So I think speeding up the offense, getting guys in motion, will only increase its efficiency and its... its fluidity as well so I I just I want Tom Thibodeau to really focus on that and me talking about this for 10 5 10 minutes is is probably useless because again let's be honest he's probably not going to make many adjustments to the way his his playbook looks Um, it's not a very intricate system Um, again it's very pick and roll heavy you'll have DHO on the perimeter you'll have your basic pick and roll but that's really it. It's, it's, it's There's not much. You're not going to see a ton of actions ran with a lot of guys off the ball. You're not going to see L cuts and, and pin downs and down screens and different types of offensive sets in the half court. Um, this is just the way Tom Thibodeau does his thing. Um, and I'm also looking at this offense and, and, and just the, the lineups in general. I am really curious, and we probably touched on this last time we talked Knicks. I want to see what this closing lineup is going to look like. So I want to talk about that real briefly when we return from break here on BD4, episode 554. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. All right, welcome back to the show, episode 554 of BD4. The closing lineup, that will be a topic this year I am sure we're going to discuss a lot. Um, With a very guard-heavy rotation, it's going to make things difficult. Um, How Tom Thibodeau maneuvers the closing unit. Um, I think the staples to close out the game are obviously Brunson and Randall, right? But what happens in between? What happens at guard and, and wing? Like, you've got a lot of guys to choose from. You've got Josh Hart, Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly, and now Dante DiVincenzo. Um, R.J. Barrett doesn't close a ton, and Tibbs doesn't really hesitate to pull the trigger on him, as we've seen. But those guys, Hart, Grimes, Quickly, and DiVincenzo, those are the four options with essentially only two slots to fill in the closing lineup. Um... And I'm sure on certain nights it's going to change. Different guys will get different looks. And on some of those nights where the Knicks lose, you're going to have people questioning Tom Thibodeau, right? And playing Monday night quarterback or Monday morning quarterback with, you know, what he does and doesn't do. Um, But there will be some type of norm, I'm sure. There's going to be a collection of four or five guys who get the majority of those closing minutes in the end. So I'm very, very curious to see which Nick is going to lose minutes in that guard rotation. Um, you know, I uh, there it's hard because you want Grimes out there for spacing, right? But you also want a guy like Hart out there for the rebounding and the size and how he can start those transition opportunities. Hey, he's a good defensive player. But it's like if RJ's having a night, that's good. But he's got a liability defense and the shooting. And Josh Hart has a liability in shooting. And you put quickly out there, that's good. But he's not always on. And that's a smaller unit right there. So it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna change a lot. But again, it's gonna be interesting to see who are the the mainstays um, as we. Uh, Head closer to the season. It just has me thinking. Um, I also want to see Tom Thibodeau optimize offense from spots that he could maybe get some more things out of. Um, I'm looking at some of his big men. We know that in the past, Mitchell Robinson has a number of times complained about not getting enough reps. Um, And I know a lot of that is because he doesn't have anything outside of the basic rim running offense in him. He throws down pick-and-roll lobs, that's about it. And he cleans up those second-chance opportunities. But, you know, so get him involved in offense a lot more. Run that pistol action between RJ and Mitch a lot more. We've seen Tibbs go to that. Run the side pick-and-roll. I think try to get him some more looks. I think Isaiah Hartenstein, as he woke up in the second half, he was a lot better. But there were a lot of times... I wish Tibbs would use him the way 
that he used Joakim Noah when he was coaching him in Chicago. Right When Noah was an MVP candidate, he was in the center of the floor. He was at the nail as this playmaking hub. And that's kind of the what that's kind of what you want to see from Isaiah Hartenstein a lot more often. A guy who can find guys cutting back door, draw the defense in at the nail, and open up space around him. Um, we've seen Quentin Grimes get iced out a whole lot and only get at in sunlight's three, four shots up. That's a guy with his shooting skill, and he's probably the best or at least the most potent shooter on the team. That's a guy you want to see get more reps. Uh, and again, that, that has a lot to do with Tom Thibodeau's playbook and how he isos a ton of guys. And it's mainly Brunson and Randall and an occasional RJ iso. But, you know, that, the way the way that Obi Toppin was used wasn't always great. I mean, he could have been a very dangerous short role man. But instead, Obi was often, when he was in the half court, limited to that Steve Novak role where you tuck him in the corner as this floor spacer and you just threw him a, you know, when you needed desperation three in the corner or if he was wide open in the corner, you threw it to him. Like, he wasn't used as that cutter. He wasn't used as a pick-and-roll roll man in the short roll and you didn't see that often. It was just in spurts occasion, occasionally. Um, and that's why, it's a reason why I think there's a ceiling with Tom Thibodeau as your head coach. Um, I love the guy. I'm a big fan of the guy. I, I've completely bought into him, but what he's great at, I saw this in an article somewhere, and I, I, it was worded perfectly. Tom Thibodeau is a coach who's great at raising your floor. He's great at making you go from bad to good. That's what he's done his entire career with teams. I'm not sure that he's a guy to get you from good to great, though. And pretty soon we're going to be approaching that expectation with the Knicks. I'm not sure he makes enough adjustments for that. I'm not sure that he has the offensive mind in an era where offense now wins a lot more than it did back then. And of course, to go further, the Knicks also need the personnel. Um, and that I guess that's going to segue us to our next talk where we're going to start talking about superstars again. But yeah, as far as Tom Thibodeau goes... I think there is a ceiling for him. And I've always said this, that he's this, I've called him a placeholder coach. And that's that's what I think is going to happen. I think he's going to live out his contract and the Knicks will probably part ways with him, as they probably should, and go a little younger. Get a guy who's more willing to adapt to the new NBA. But as for now, he's, he's fine. Um, but I think a more pressing... I don't want to say issue, but topic is the Knicks getting to that next level by making the superstar trade. And that's what I want to touch on when we return from break here on BD4 episode 554. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook and we're at BD4 pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. All right, welcome back to the show, and please stay with me. I know this is fucking lagging, as I was hoping it wouldn't. I'm going to try to fix it here. Um, 
It's just a pain in the ass. Give me two seconds to see if I can figure this out. Hopefully it doesn't end the recording. Man, this... Get a new mic, think it's gonna be better. Or a new camera, you think it's gonna be better, and it gets worse. What a fucking joke, waste of money. Um. Anyways, you know, if you're listening to the audio version of the show, the podcast, it doesn't matter. Um, if you're watching the video, it's probably not great. The YouTube edit, but who cares? The words are what matter in the show. You know, you don't come here to look at me. Um. Yeah. When will the Knicks make the next step? Like we mentioned in the last Knicks episode we did a few days ago, um, there are a few, a couple of Knicks core pieces that will likely be included in this eventual deal, right? Um, I think it's either going to be R.J. Barrett or quickly as the headliner in this next superstar trade that's, that's in this superstar trade that's coming up. Um, with RJ, listen, we, we know about him, uh, the efficiency, the shooting finishing is a problem, especially with his right, the defense uh, tunnel vision. You're worried about his fit with Julius Randall and you know, all of that makes his highs and lows way too far apart, right? It's the extremes with RJ. We need to see more high and just a normal low. And not two different extremes, like in the playoffs. He was so strong for the Knicks in the postseason. And then all of a sudden, game six comes against Miami, and he's 11 points, one for 10. I So, I, I think the Knicks, I don't know that the Knicks love R.J. Barrett. I mean, we, we know they don't. They were ready to trade him, right? And this front office, remember, they don't have ties to him either. They didn't draft him. He wasn't drafted under this regime. And RJ is also with WME. So it's not like he's a CAA client either. He has nothing to do with Leon Rose or his son. So I I wouldn't be surprised if he's dealt. Because the Knicks simply need more shooting from that spot. Um, They need shooting in the starting lineup bad. So it's very likely he could be dealt. And then this is also very likely that Emmanuel quickly... Could be dealt, and this could be happening for a few reasons that he's dealt. Um, he's on an expiring deal, as we know, and he's still not extended yet. The Knicks have not extended quickly to this day as we speak, and while there is still time, he has until the eve of opening night, the new CBA rules also make it very, very, very difficult to move a young player on an extension. Um, and then you look at you know, the heart extension. You look at the Dante DiVincenzo edition. It seems like Leon is setting up to make quickly more of an expendable asset, which is good. It's always a good thing to put insurance behind what you do. Um, but yeah, I don't know that he comes back. I think he is moved. I, this It's very possible. This is a kid who's going to be asking for $20 million AAV. Uh, that's at the very least. Um, and if you're Dolan, well, you could pay that. 
considering everything, is it smart to do all of that on a team who's a second round, maybe third round at best? Because think about it. Brunson is due for a payday in two years. Randall's also due in that same offseason if they decide to bring him back. With the CBA shit, the luxury tax aprons will be right there. So while Dolan could spend it, obviously he's loaded, while he could, going past those tax aprons on the roster with these guys and still zero superstar, it's a bit much. If you spend that much, it may as well be on a team with a superstar on it that could take them to the next level. So financially, it just it makes sense that an RJ or an Emmanuel quickly gets moved, uh, possibly both, for the Knicks to, t- to truly take that next step. And until they do make that move for a superstar, the Knicks are going to remain in, I don't want to say purgatory, because I feel like that's too harsh of a word, since there is like a there's a positive light shining on the Knicks brand right now. But, until they grab a star, they won't truly take that leap to championship caliber. I'm not saying it's a failure. Like, I still think if the Knicks can get to a third round, I still think that's possible with this team. A third round will be a huge success. Um, depending on the matchup, I think that's possible. Um, and if they get bounced again in round two this year, again, my hope is that it's in game seven against a, a tough-ass team, but I live with that. But, we, we eventually need to start moving away from the participation mentality. Like, it, like the 2017 Yankees was the 2022-23 Knicks. That was, right, and then they only got the expectations only raised from there, and the scrutiny got more uh, worse and worse as the Yankees score another run. Um, but they do, yeah, they need a superstar move sooner rather than later with all these guys coming off the books in a few years. I was looking at the uh, next few off-seasons, and I think it's like three years from now. Tops, it might be two years from now. All these guys are off the books. There's only a few. So, the window, their window is going to either close or, you know, depending on how they do this, how they operate financially, they could reopen it in a few years. Um, But maybe this is the season to get their guy. There's a lot of news lately surrounding, obviously, Lillard, uh, but also Embiid and Giannis. With Embiid, I feel like he's not... I know he wants to win a chip. He's said that anywhere... I feel like he's not moved unless James Harden is moved. But I don't know that I see Harden being moved right now. Is Harden good? Of course he's he's absolutely good. But between Harden's massive salary, he's making $36 million this year, and I believe the contract is expiring, so you're trading a shit ton of pieces for a rental in James Harden. Between that, the toxicity, I mean... The, the guy is just a walking cancer. The drama with Houston, the drama with the New Jersey Nets, and now the drama with Philly and his and his terrible relationship with with Maury. Between the infamous 
playoff choke jobs on his resume. It doesn't exactly make him attractive. He's also a declining player right now. He's not the same, not the same guy he used to average 40 a game. With the NBA different now, they're not giving out those calls that they easily handed to Harden back in the day. Between all that, I don't know that James Harden gets moved. I mean, not many teams you hear right now are interested. Maybe Miami, but again, they're dead set on getting Damian Lillard. Um, I've heard the Los Angeles Clippers as a potential suitor for James Harden, but why would Philly trade him right now when only one team is interested? They, They won't get anything from that. So the whole situation to me is in limbo. And that to me, the Harden thing is going to depict what happens with Joel Embiid. To me. I think he doesn't get moved unless we figure out what happens with James Harden. And then this Giannis thing is interesting. This is new. Uh, There were recent comments that Giannis Antetokounmpo made um, regarding him signing an extension. Uh, and basically what he says, we'll read it in a second, but he was saying how the Bucks, until they're ready for a title run, he's not signing that deal. Um, and I have it word for word. I want to see if I can pull it up on my notes so I can read it out loud to you. Um, so Giannis said the other day, I'm quoting, the real question's not going to be this year. Numbers-wise, it doesn't make sense. But next year... Next summer, it would make much more sense for both parties. Even then, I don't know. I would not be the best version of myself if I don't know that everybody's on the same page. Everybody's going for a championship. Everybody's going to sacrifice time away from their family like I do. And if I don't feel like that, I'm not signing. Very interesting quote there from Giannis Antetokounmpo, who already has a championship with Milwaukee not long ago. But obviously, a very disappointing exit this year. They fired Budenholzer. And yeah, this could shake some things up. Um, Will the Knicks be suitors? Will they be active for Giannis? A lot of things to think about. And until we actually get some concrete things happening, there's not much more to discuss regarding the Knicks' chase for a superstar at the moment. But just thought I'd run on here and talk Knicks for a little bit, for a few minutes here. Episode 554, I think that's going to be it. We'll head to our final break, come back, and um, yeah, let's let's get to our trivia as soon as we return from break, and that'll be that from there. All right, stay with us. We'll be right back here on BD4 to conclude episode 554. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4 Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. All right. So for this episode... Episode 554 of the podcast, we actually um, have our first multiple choice, I believe, in the history of BD4. And our question for you, since the division went to five teams in 04-05, how many times have the Knicks finished in third place or higher? <coughs> five, seven, or nine? <clears throat> 
since the division went to five teams in 04-05, how many times have the Knicks finished in third place or higher? Five, seven, or nine? All right, so let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get the answer correct, I'll give you a shout-out on the next show. So I appreciate you stopping by. I thank you for hanging with me. If you're watching on the YouTube edit and you have to deal with um, the lagging on the screen and the audio not exactly being synced up to the video, appreciate you sticking around. If you're listening, I appreciate you doing that too because you're making me money. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'll see you all in the next episode. As for this one, episode 554 BD4, I'm your host RJ. Catch you later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there! If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you. And we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks.